This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right. What are we doing in this world? Why are we here? Why are we here? Why not Hashem create a world? What are we doing here? What are we supposed to be doing here? So, I want to start a little bit with Voracious. And then we'll get into a, a, a very interesting story. So, there were many worlds before this world. Did you know that? Did you ever learn that? There were many worlds before this world. They were all destroyed. Um, so, this world actually had certain elements in it before anything was created. Does anyone know what elements were here before the world was created? Yes. What else? Water? No. Sky was not here. What else didn't Hashem create in Bereshus? Darkness was here. The world was dark. Darkness was here. Water was here. What else? A very, very important thing. Doesn't say anywhere in the six days of creation that it was created. Air. Can't breathe without air. The world had air. The world had water. The world had darkness. How do we know that? The land was empty. It was dark. And Hashem was hovering over the water. So it was water. Okay? Alright. So, the first creation, which is very important to all of you, and me, and everybody. First creation Hashem made. Anyone know what it was? I did not hear you. What did you say? No, that was here already. Darkness was here, water was here, air was here. What was the first creation? Light. First creation was light. Now that is a very important creation. Because, being that it was a creation in this world, not from the old world, light has the power to dispel darkness. Darkness, no matter how dark it is, it can't put out a candle. Wow, this room is pitch black. You light a candle, it won't put it out. Light dispels darkness. You come into a room, it's full of dark. You light a candle, there's no more darkness. It dispels darkness. But darkness does not dispel light. Light has a kayak, has a strength to take darkness away. But darkness can, can never put out a light, except one time it happened, the three days of Choshech in... in um, in the Makkah of, of Choshech by Mitzrayim, the darkness was a special creation like ink, and no matter how much light you'd have in the room, you couldn't see anything. It was pitch, pitch black. It was so dark, you couldn't get up. The darkness was like a being. It, it was like something that existed. It wasn't just air. It was like, I can't get out of my chair. Why? Because darkness is holding me down. But that was only in the three days of, of, um, of Mitzrayim. So, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, just give me one second, God gave us a very important present, and that is light. So when someone's depressed, and in a very dark place, how do you dispel the darkness? Yeah, you can go to therapy, and you can take medicine, it definitely can help you, but, to get rid of the darkness, not to be able to exist in the darkness, you need light. 
You need some good stuff in your life. You need light. What is the essential light that exists in the world? God and His Torah. And I do have to say, even though many people watching probably won't be so happy with this, that coming out of trauma and coming out of addiction and coming out of depression, if you have God, it definitely helps. I, I, I don't meet happy atheists. Nobody ever walked into my office. What's up, Rabbi Wells, dude? What's happening? I'm an atheist. No. They come to my office and they're like, you're Rabbi Wallstein? Yeah. You believe in God? How you know? Who's there before him? Who's after him? Life sucks. Where's God? I'm going through so much stuff. Where's God? I don't believe in God. So I'm like, so what do you believe in? If there is no God, then how how does stuff happen? So, if you're an atheist, the philosophy is the theory of randomness. theory of randomness is like Nike, just do it. Stuff just happens. The world just happened. Evolution. Evolution just happened. Two, they banged into each other. Big bang. And earth, clouds, sun, fish, animals, grass, trees, flowers, just happened. Come on, man. What are you saying? This phone, if I told you, girls, you're not going to believe it. On my desk this morning, I left a bunch of paper clips. And when I woke up this morning, the paper clips somehow got together while I was sleeping and, I made, and became a phone. You're like, Red Wallstein, you need to take your medicine. You didn't take it this morning. And you need to talk to someone right now. What do you mean? It just happened. Random. Stuff just happens. That's a phone. You're telling me the world? The human body? The world just happened? A phone can't just happen, but that just happened? It's ridiculous. Oh, so who, so, so, so who created Hashem? Who cares? If I need to know who created Hashem, then it just means because I want to get rid of Hashem. You see, because all of us in this room, we don't even know who our great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather is. You want to know who Hashem is? You want to go back 6,000 years or maybe millions of years because He created many worlds? You want to go back and you want to know, like, who cares? It, my goldfish, a little goldfish. Cute guy. Seymour. Seymour the goldfish. He sees more, so we call him Seymour. Right? So in the morning, when you, when you put food, right? So he doesn't know me at all. Doesn't know me at all. I wonder what I look like through the water. Probably pretty funny. Right? But when I put my hand on top, to put the food in, he immediately comes up to get the food. So he knows whatever this is, he doesn't know it's a hand or fingers, but when he sees that, he's like, breakfast, lunch, and supper, right? Does he need to know what I do for a living? Does he need to know my parents, where I come from? Does he need to know anything about me? Yeah, he needs to know that without me, he gets no food. So, I don't care where Hashem came from. I can't, we don't have the brain to even understand, to even go there. doesn't matter in my life. He's the king. He's controlling the world. So the bottom line is, he's my master. He's my king. He's my father. I don't know who my great, 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 great father is. And you know what? It really doesn't matter. And none of you know. 
The weed doesn't matter. It has no effect on my life today. It's nice. You want a history, you want a tree, whatever. But it's not, it's not going to affect my life. So the people who want to know who Hashem is and where he came from and all that, they're just people who want to get rid of Hashem and say, oh, you see, you don't have an answer, so he doesn't exist. And if he doesn't exist, then I can do whatever I want to do because there's no Hashem. So there's no Torah and there's no mitzvahs and there's no morality and you can do whatever you want. And on one side of the table, you, you can't leave human beings to decide morality. You can't. Because we go to war and kill hundreds of thousands of people for oil. Is that moral? World War II is moral? Killing millions of people? Like, what's morality? Abortion is morality? So Texas says, once a baby has a heartbeat, you can't kill that kid, it's not moral. The rest of the United States says, nah, heartbeat, smartbeat. And, and Texas says, like, the kid can't defend himself. He can't say, yay, nay, you know, I want to die, I don't want to die. So, I, I, the governor Abbott, which is, he's, he's against the whole world, said, no, after six weeks, when you see a heartbeat, you leave that kid alone. Unless it's a danger to the mother, but you have to leave that kid alone. Jewish law, that's it. You can't kill that kid. It's a living being. So, but if it wasn't Jewish law, then you could be like the rest of America and say, no, six months, seventh month, you have to cut the kid out. Doesn't make a difference. Pull him out alive, cut him into little pieces, doesn't make a difference. You can't leave morality to human beings. Because, because, because ISIS, they, they burn people, they cut people into little pieces for, for, for religion. Human beings, we, we have crazy morality. We make up our own stuff. So, yeah, if you want to get rid of morality, you get rid of God. So then you ask questions. But how could you, how could you even think for a moment if you see a building, you know there's a builder. If you see a garden, you know there's a gardener. If you see a world, you know there's Hashem. So the people that live with Hashem, and not the, not randomness that I happen to be sick because I'm not lucky. I happen not to be married because I'm not lucky. I happen not to be able to have children because I'm not lucky. Nothing has a reason. People die for no reason. People get sick for no reason. People are rich for no reason. People are poor for no reason. People are tall for no reason. People, that was Sadaim. There's no reason to anything. How, how do you live like that? So Kodesh Baruch Hu created the world six days in a process. He could have done it in one minute, in one second. We need six days. Process. Sun, light, water, ocean, sat, whatever. Process. Because he didn't want to share. Nothing's random. If he created it in one second, you'd say, oh, that was random. That part was random. There was ground, so there was trees. No, 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 no. I created everything. In its time, in its day, when it needed to be created, there's nothing in my world that happens for no reason. So if I don't feel well, or I'm going through something, and I know there's a reason, I can deal with it. I can deal with it, it has a reason, but if it had no reason, I would jump off a building. Like, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just suffering for no reason? What am I doing here? Why would I want to suffer? Well, everything has a reason. So, on the first day, Hashem saw that I have to be able to give the human being the ability to dispel darkness. And I can't allow darkness to take over my world. So therefore, I'm going to create light. It's not only, it's, a, it's an emotional light, it's a physical light, it's a spiritual light. I'm going to create light, and that light has a crazy power. Anywhere you bring that light, gets rid of the darkness. But darkness does not have the power to get rid of light. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu called the Or Yoyim, Lachoshech Koralayla. 
But he didn't create the Choshech. What did he do on that day? He separated them. By Yabdel Elohim, Bein Ha'or Ben Now, very important, girls. Light and darkness are two different things that he separated. So that's fine. So he said, that's good. Right? There are two, light is one thing and dark is another thing. But the next day, on the second day, he said, Hashem said, well, there's water in the world. Right? The world was all water at that point. I'm going to separate the waters. I'm going to take some waters to Shemayim. I'm going to make a heaven. Sky, atmosphere. Right? And I'm going to leave the rest of the water in the world. He made the Shemayim. He separated the heavens and the water in the world. So the world, the world at this point, there was blue sky. Hashem created a blue sky, which is made out of droplets of water. And the rest of the world, girls, was covered with water. There was no land. Of course, what's underneath the water? If you go to the bottom of the ocean, there's land. But at that point, the land was underneath the ocean, was totally covered by the water. But for some reason, on the second day, Hashem did not say it was good. Every day he said it was good. Tuesday he said twice it was good. The last day, sixth day, he said it was toiv ma'od. It was amazing. But on the second day, he never he didn't say that what he did was good. Why not? Anyone know why not? Why didn't he say it was good on the second day? Every other day he said it was good. What did he do on the second day? What did we just learn? What did he do? He separated the water. God said, separating something is not good. My world is not to separate people or to separate things. It's to bring them together. One second, Rabbi Wallerstein, on the first day, he separated light and dark. So why did he say that was good? Because those are two different entities. Here, he took one entity, which was water, one entity, and he separated it into two. That's not good. So he didn't say Kitov. To separate one entity is not good. One entity has to be together, has to have Achtos. So on the second day, he did not say good. On the third day, he pushed the waters from the ground. So the oceans got deep, high, deep. And the land was separated from the water. But again, Land and water is two different entities, so that's fine. That's fine. But separating water from water, that's not fine. So he separated the water from the land. You have very deep oceans. And then you have the land. That's what he did on the third day. And he saw that it was good. Does anyone here know what's the, what's the percentage of water in the world? I think the, water, the world is made out of 70% water. Something like that. Much more water than, than, than land. So, that's what we're going to learn inside today. Now I want to tell you an amazing story, but I want to tell you first an amazing Zayar. And the Zayar says the following. Why did God create waves? So, I asked, I asked my class the other night, why did Hashem create waves? The girl said, for surfers. She's from California. But that's not why Hashem created waves. Why did Hashem create waves? Why do we have waves? Anyone know? So the crazy Zaya. And the Zaya says the following. How do waves happen? The moon, the tide, but why? So, before the creation of the world, the whole world was covered with water. 
Then Hashem separated and made land and water. After Adam ate from the Eitz Adas, from the tree, he did the sin, the water said, there's no reason to have land anymore. Why? Who lives on land? Who lives on land? Um, who lives on land? Humans. Humans are bad. They, they did a sin. They ate from the Eitz Adas. We're destroying the world. The water said, we're going back to the way it was before sin. So we're taking over the world. Okay? Every wave, says the Zoya, has a malach. Every wave has an angel. That angel takes the wave and says, let's go cover the world. So, the wave comes in. I don't know if you've ever been at a beach. I'm sure you have all been at a beach. If you count how many seconds between each wave, it's between 8 to 12 seconds. Depending on how, how angry the ocean is, depending on, on the weather. Between eight to ten, every 8 to 12 seconds, you stand by the beach, wave comes in, hits the beach, turns white, goes back out. Next wave comes in, turns white, goes back out. They look a little angry sometimes, the waves. They look a little, they look like the angel's a little bit angry. It's like, so if you watch a wave, it doesn't look happy, it looks angry. Okay, maybe I need help, but that's what I see. Anyway, so it says that the angel, what, what are you doing? What are you, what are you coming to the beach for? The angel says, we want, to take, we want to take over the world. We want it to come back to the way it was. We want to take over the whole world. But um, we, we hit the sand, we hit the beach, and we see that we're not taking over the whole world. So, from not taking over the whole world, I want to go back to the ocean. So the wave comes... The, the angel sees it can't do anything, and it goes back into the ocean. So the Zayar asks, the wave that's coming back from the sand, what does it tell the wave that's coming in? It tells the wave, you're wasting your time. This is a beach. I tried. It ain't happening. So why does the second wave try to hit the beach? If the other wave said, you're wasting your time. I was just there. There's a beach. So the Zaya says that the wave coming to the beach tells the wave leaving the beach just because you couldn't make it doesn't mean I can't make it. And God put that in the Bria for the human being. Each one of us is a wave. And just because your teacher told you you're not going to make it or someone else told you, you know how many times in my life I was told that I wasn't going to make it? Huh. You can't do it. I tried. I tried to open a school. It didn't work when I tried to open up Arnava. We tried in Israel. We tried here. We tried this. This organization, it canceled. It failed. Open a high school. They all went bankrupt. They only lasted for two years. I'm a wave, man. Just because you can't do it don't mean I can't do it. Hashem put that in the Bria that every eight seconds, an angel says, just because you didn't make it doesn't mean I can't make it. And that was put into the Bria for us. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't do something because they tried and it didn't work. Doesn't mean that it cannot work. So for the whole time, probably till Mashiach, maybe even after Mashiach, every 12 seconds, every beach, another wave says, I can do it, I can do it, even though you can't do it, I can do it. Failure, I think that's why we're a little bit different than everyone else. Failure it's not a 50 or a 40 or a 30. Failure is not taking the test. If you take the test, you automatically pass. 
What do I mean? You passed that you were willing to give it your best try. When people tell you you're a failure because you failed, they're wrong. You're a failure if you didn't try. When you, when you race, you're not a failure if you don't win. You're a failure if you didn't race. You can come in last, but you're not a failure. The people who didn't run the race, they're failures. It's not a failure to fall. It's a failure not to get back up. Very different psychology. The mission Pekelba says, It's not for you to finish the race. It's for you to start the race. So, the way we learn in Western, is that in the Olympics, if you don't win, if you don't get a gold, you're a loser. No, you're not a loser. Did you got into the Olympics and you tried your best? You're a winner. We're taught that you're not a winner. Well, it's not true. To Hashem, Hashem says, It's not for you to finish, but you better, you, you gotta start. You gotta try. You gotta take the shot. If you don't take the shot, it can't go in. If you don't try, it can't happen. You can open up a school and it'll fail. But if you don't open a school, it definitely will fail. It has no chance. So, when it came to BCA, to my high school, there were two schools right before my high school that opened up. They were there for two years. They couldn't, they couldn't raise money. They closed. And everyone said to me, well, see, leave the kids on the street. What are you doing? We had a school for them in, in five towns. We had another school. They both closed. It's not going to work. And I'm like, I got to try. I got to try for these kids. Maybe it won't work. But it's not a failure to try. 75% of... My father always used to tell me in business, 75% of success is based on failure. 75% of success is based on failure. What do you mean? You tried something. You failed. So you're like, okay, X. This doesn't work. You tried something again. You failed. This doesn't work. Until you find something that works. You think in the internet, you think uh, Bill Gates and all these guys that worked right away, they failed many times. The, the Rosh Hashiva of... Orsam, of um, of Eishat Torah, he had seven yeshivas before Eishat Torah, before he was successful. He failed seven times, but he never stopped. He didn't give up. But you failed, what are you doing? No, they tried. You have to try. person has to try. So that's what every wave says. I'm going to give it a shot. It's a beach, you can't do it. I don't care because you can't do it, don't mean I can't do it. It's got, it's got to become part of you. It, it, you become sex, successful in life if that's how you feel. It's like, you can't let other people tell you what you could be or what you can't be. Because just because they fail doesn't mean you're going to fail. You have Satya Deshmaya. They didn't have Satya Deshmaya. You have an ingredient in your personality that they didn't have an ingredient. Don't, don't listen to anyone who tells you that. you got to try. And that's what every wave tells. And it's just right now, Coney Island, they keep talking. You can hear the waves in Coney Island. It's like, because you didn't do it doesn't mean I can't make it. I can't even get to Ocean Parkway. doesn't matter. You can't get to Ocean Parkway. doesn't mean I can't get to Ocean Parkway. That's in the Bria. Now, I want to tell you a story. We'll end with the story. It's a very important story. Why, why are we here? Why are we in this world? We'll tell it to you very fast because we're very late. Well, the story goes like this. Who's the next teacher? Oh, okay. He'll give me an extra, he'll give me an extra few minutes. He says the story like this. There was a king. The king was very into consequence. In other words, he didn't give anyone in his kingdom anything, just random. You, you had to earn it. He was very into you have to earn it. And he had three sons. He had three sons. And he had to pick a son to become the next king. And the people of the country said, you can't just pick a son. Someone has to earn it. 
you, you're, you're the king of earning. So, not because the older one or this one, you have to earn it. He said, okay, I'm going to set up a test. And the one that passes the test, he'll become the next king. So he put him on a boat. And he sent him to an island. Okay, so they put him on a boat and they come, he come, they come to this island. And he says it was in Africa. And they come to the island and they come to the entrance of a huge, huge garden. They come out of the boat and... Hold on one second. Hello? Hi. I'm in the middle of class. Um, are you coming home? Yes. Okay, so I prepared for you a soup here. Okay. And your vitamins. Okay. And your drinks are in the refrigerator. And okay. Thank, thank you very much. My wife, that's why I answered. Anyway, so... They come to the garden. At the gate of the garden, they're told the following. Very old man, standing in garden. We were three guards at the garden. Very old man, bent over. And he says, boys, I'm going to let you into the garden, but you need to know that at some point you're going to have to leave this garden. And you can't leave you, we're not going to leave you here forever. You got to go back home. So just remember that it's not forever. Okay. The second guard, who was ugly, full of boils, said, Listen, you're going to come to this garden, you're going to see food. You never saw such food in your life. Eat whatever you want, enjoy. But you need to know something. That when you leave the garden, we're not letting you take any food out. Whatever you eat in the garden is fine, but you can't take any food out of the garden. Okay. The third guard was not old, not young, very good looking. And he said, be careful what you eat. Eat good fruit. Make sure the fruit is ripe. And make sure it's not rotten. And enjoy yourselves. Okay? They go into the garden. And they see beautiful, magnificent trees. And rivers. And wells. And sweet water. And food they never even dreamt of in their life. And gold and silver and beautiful jewels. And they sat there eating and drinking and they totally forgot about the boat. Forgot about the boat. They're in the garden. They're partying. And they said, you know what? Let's all go to different parts of the garden and investigate what's going on. Okay? So it was a very big garden and they went very far from each other. And one of them, just he was into food. So he just sat there and he ate this food, then he found a better food, he ate that food, then he found a better food. And all day long, that's all he did was find better food and better food and better food and better food. The second one wasn't interested in food, he was interested in money. So he went collecting diamonds and jewels and gold and silver. And he was like, wow, this is crazy. And we're going to get back on the board, I'm going to go home, I'm going to be so rich. But... I only have small pockets. How am I going to carry stuff? So he took all his clothing off. Underwear, 
outerwear, and he made them into sacks. He was totally undressed, but he filled all these sacks with crazy amount of diamonds and jewels and gold. So he's walking around without any clothing. Boy, he's got a lot of money. The third one, he did not, he wasn't into the food, he wasn't into the money. He was very smart. He was a thinker. So he said, I want to investigate how this garden works. Like, things that grow and all the other stuff that's going on here. I want to understand, like, how it works. So, he had to eat a little bit to stay alive, but he was checking out the rivers and the food and the roots and the animals and, and everything and what, how the irrigation and he was like writing notes on everything. He wasn't interested in the money, he wasn't interested in the food. Okay. And he said, there's no way that this garden just happened. Someone is a Balhagan. Someone owns this garden. Someone planted this garden. It couldn't have just happened. So he was working on it. And all of a sudden, he came across an, a jewel that he never in his life saw such a jewel. He said, you know what? This jewel is very different. I'm going to take this jewel and put it in my pocket. He puts it in his pocket. He wasn't interested in anything else, any other gold. Okay. All of a sudden, there's like a siren, and these like soldiers come into the garden, and they're like, the king sent a message that he wants to see all three of you in the castle. So that's it. Garden's over. Um, time to go to the boat. Okay. So the first brother, who was busy eating all the time, he leaves the garden, but the air outside of the garden was very different than the garden. And the food was very different. He starts to eat the regular food that he used to eat, and he becomes very, very sick. And while he's on the boat, he dies. So the guy that was busy with the food, he's gone. The second brother is totally stark, no clothing. He's on the boat with no clothing, but sacks and sacks of money. Third brother's normal. Now, I'm sorry. He did not have sacks of money because they took it all away at the gate. He had nothing. He was just not dressed. Because again, they told him, you can't take anything out of the garden. The third brother, who was very smart, that jewel he put under his tongue. Okay, he was very smart. He put that jewel under his tongue. They didn't catch him. So the brother that was naked, who had no clothing on, he had nothing. This brother had one jewel under his tongue. Okay. They come back to the, to the country, they come back to the land, and this kid, this guy's broken because he not only doesn't have any clothing, but he doesn't have any jewels that he tried to collect. And he starts screaming at the guards of the gate of the castle, let me in, I'm the king's son. And they're like, you're not the king's son. You're na- you're not dressed, and you look terrible. We don't believe you that you're the king's son. We're not letting you in. You're a mashugana. You're off the wall. So they don't let him into the castle. The other one, they recognize right away. He didn't change, and he comes into the castle where his father, the king, is, 
even though the other one is screaming, I knew who Ben HaMelech, I am the son of the king, I went to the other side of the world, and my father sent me a letter, I should come back. They don't listen to him, because he looks like a monkey, and they throw him between the horses, and they're like, but then they see the third brother, oh, good looking, dressed, they knew right away that, that um, and they bring him to his father. Abawai! Adoni HaMelech! Master my king. This island that you sent me to. It's like an amazing place. What I just found in this world, in this garden, I never saw in the whole world. And he takes the diamond, the jewel, from underneath his tongue. And he says... This I've never seen in your whole kingdom, king. And therefore, I was thinking the whole time, me who Isa Baal Hagan, who made this garden? Nifla, it's amazing. I couldn't think about anything else. Ha-Melech, the king, when he heard this, he accepted him with love, he hugged him, he kissed him. And the son gave the father as a present, the jewel. And the father said, I don't need it. It's for you. A present for me. And he sat with him, and he told him all the secrets of how he built that garden. What's going on here? This story is a marshal of this world. God is the king of the world. He sends us from the heavens to this world to do mitzvahs and maizim toivim. And he puts us in this boat, this neshama, and he sends us to this world. And he says the three brothers are like the three midos that a person has. One person comes to this world, all he's interested is food, cars, beauty, houses, physical things. But girls, all of a sudden, you forget about the boat. And, and Hashem calls you back, a person dies. And a person comes back to the other world, and the other world, and apple and orange, pizza, sushi, all that other stuff that you love, that you love to eat, it doesn't even get to the other world, that worms eat you. So, you die, and you have nothing. The other brother, who's busy his whole life making money, 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 I need jewelry, I need a house, I need a dress, I need this, I need that, everything's about money and power, and how much money I have, and I'm, I'm taking off my clothing, which clothing is a, in, in, in Kabbalah, clothing is your ruchnius, your spirituality. So I'm taking off my clothing, because I want to gather, I want more stuff, I want, a, I want a nice car, a Land Rover, I want this and I want that, I want that. So I'm giving up my relationship with my wife, I'm giving up my relationship with my husband, my kids, my Torah, my mitzvahs, my tefillah, I'm giving up everything, I'm taking everything off. All my outer clothing, outer clothing is, is called R, is called, is called light, is, is your, 
spirituality. I'm willing to give up all my spirituality so I can gather and gather and gather. I'm naked. You come to the next world, they don't even recognize you. That's an neshama. He has nothing on. And where's the money? He left it in the garden. This is the garden. He left it in the garden. Your kids have it. The bank has it. The lawyers have it. You can't take your money to the next world. So the first brother, he ate this food, he ate this food. Now he dies, he's in the ground, the worms are eating his food. The more food he eats, the more the worms have to eat. He has nothing, comes to the next world, he doesn't even get to the next, he has nothing. The other guy comes to the next world, they're like, hello, you have no mitzvahs, you have no Torah, you're naked, you have nothing. You're a kaif, you're a monkey, you spent your whole life just doing physical things, you have nothing. But the third brother, which is all of us, I hope, comes to this world and says, wow, this world is amazing. Who created this garden? And you spend your whole life trying to figure out the relationship between us and Hashem. How do you do that? By learning, by Torah, by mitzvahs, by spirituality. And then you come to the next world, the neshama, right? And the king says, Hashem says, so what were you doing in the garden the whole time? And you're like, it's amazing the world that you created. And my whole life I spent learning Torah and doing mitzvahs trying to understand this garden. And Hashem, I brought you a present. The most beautiful jewel that exists in the world. It doesn't exist in the physical world. And that is Torah and mitzvahs. Look what I brought you. I spent my whole life doing chesed and doing Torah and mitzvahs. And Hashem said, mistake, mistake, mistake. I don't need the present. Your Torah and mitzvahs and chesed belong to you. The jewel is yours. So we're opening up with this story. Because before we go into Bereshit and Noach and Lechacha and everything that we're going to learn, the whole trip in this world is not about atheism or randomness. The trip in this world is to see God's hand and that nothing, nothing is random. And to understand this garden of emotions and feelings and spirituality and physicality. To look at God's physical nature that he created in this world, butterflies and human body and the spiritual nature being able to learn and the emotional love and hate and jealousy and all the different emotions and how to use them for good and how bad they could be. And that's the person's trip in this world. Not to be busy eating and making money, because that stays here. That doesn't go back on the boat. And no one knows when God's going to call you back, when the boat sails. No one knows how long they're going to live. So I felt very much that this story has to be the opening story before we go into anything, before we go into Avram and understand Yitzchak and Yaakov and anything that we need to understand. Why do we need to understand? The answer is because Hashem put us in this world and gave us the Torah to understand, because the more you understand, it's like a, a marriage, or, or children and, and kids, or a teacher, the more you understand the other person, the more you become close to them. So the more we understand God, and His creations, the more we become close to Him. The more we understand Him, the better the relationship. That's why we're here. That's why you grow through in seminary. That's why you're learning. That's why Hashem gave us mitzvahs. The 613 mitzvahs are 
ways of connecting to God and giving us a little bit of understanding who He is. And that's what we're going to spend the year doing. Learning from the Torah how to understand the different emotions and the different things and the different beauties that exist in, in God's garden. Not wasting our time on food and money and all the other shtushim that you can't take with you. So if you can't take them with you, guess what that means? It's not yours. If it's mine, I can take it with me. If the, my money was mine, then I could take it to the next world. God would have created the world that whatever your bank account, that's the bank account you have up there. Zero. That, uh, that I could go to the next world at 185 pounds. No. There's no pounds in the next world. There's no weight. Some girls might be happy about that. I don't know. But there's no weight in the next world. All you have is your Torah mitzvahs. Hashem, I did it for you. Torah mitzvahs. So I was like, no. I don't need your Torah mitzvahs. Here. It's yours. Go to Ghanai then. Enjoy it. Thank you for putting up with me. Have a good day. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.